am from Arkansas, and my dad was a coal miner. That kind of makes me a coal miner's daughter. That makes so much sense now. All Talk of them had fringe, that. She had some fringe bangs. Yeah, those were good. But that would be your role. Like, if we had a band, I think, like, you'd be the pretty would, one the, playing the tambourine. The tambourine because and like, you have to have sing. a lot of talent to slap that thing on your wrist Absolutely. or leg. See, we're just, like, talking all... <laughs> I'm so excited I because I loved, loved, loved this movie. I cannot... I felt humbled to actually get to talk with them. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that you were this cool. Thanks for talking with me. I feel like a peon. Yeah, you are. Hello, everybody. It's Taylor and Greg. Hey, Greg, what's going on? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Good day. Good day. It's almost Halloween, so I can't wait. A little costume. Thinking about it. Mm, mm, what are you every day wear? is every day is a costume, so I feel like every I day need is a to costume like day for you. Let's be dumb honest, down it have- and wear Gap and a track suit, and <laughs> that'll be my Halloween costume. Let's get into our week. So, what do we have going on? Well, we want to talk today about some vintage creatures in the music world. Not you, Greg. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear a little bit from the Four Seasons. We're going to talk about Yardbirds. Um, we're going to talk about Bonnie Tyler. And we have a really, really exciting interview today from a close personal friend. He is a Tony Award winner. His name is Christian Hoff. And I'm so excited for this interview, guys. It was so much fun. So uh, stay tuned for that later in the podcast. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Well, let's get started with some Four Seasons music. All right. We're going to hear Four Seasons Grease. I love that song so much. And I love Olivia Newton-John. I mean, I know, rest in when peace, she passed Olivia. Away. I can't believe it. I mean, gosh, I loved that movie. I can't, honestly, I can't believe my mom let me watch that as a kid. Everything went over my head, but it was my favorite movie. I had an older uh, best girlfriend and she was obsessed with that movie and she would come over and we would watch it on VHS and I was literally obsessed. Well, it literally inspired obsessed. me to become a hairdresser when I think it was Frenchie or somebody dropped out of beauty school. Beauty, Beauty school, school uh-huh. hanging around. Such a good store. show, but we're not recapping Grease, the movie oh, girl. We're talking sorry. about the Four Seasons and not you the hotels that it. we you stay in. Randy not the hotels. And, Rizzo and uh, Danny Zuko. I didn't remember very much, literally, about the Four Seasons. I think this is kind of my grandma's kind of thing or whatever. <laughs> but. If you she, don't remember that song, Grease is the word, is the word that you No, I do. I like all that. But I mean, honestly, I didn't realize. It was realize, such a good song. I didn't realize how many songs they had. I went yeah, on another deep dive and it was like 45,000 songs were like their top hits. And I'm like, oh my God. Wait, and I what? Think, no, I'm not. I'm being a little dramatic. But I mean, they okay. had a lot to choose from. I know that they're actually in Vegas right now. So doing a little residency out there, maybe in another city outside of off, Vegas. Off, they're in Henderson, Henderson, <laughs> Nevada. But it's close, you know, <laughs> worth the job. The Hampton Inn. Yeah. Uh-huh. In between Vegas and Reno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm sure. The they probably city. packed the house. They're performing in Carson City. Stop it. I think they're amazing. At the best Western. Stop, Taylor. <laughs> Give them credit. You started it. No, I'm just saying they it. their 
pioneers. They had that beat and it was unrecognizably. It was, (laughs) (laughs) oh, bless me. It was distinctually, is a better word, there. Oh, (laughs) we'll be cutting that out. Anyways, um, it was so unrecognizable that I didn't even know who I was talking about, but I digress. So we're going to hear a song from Yardbirds. Greg, do you know who Yardbirds are? I'm not familiar. I had some Yardbirds when I lived in Arkansas. (laughs) They always came. And actually, I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to tell you the truth. I go to the 7-Eleven that actually... So it always goes back to the No, I'd be for real. No, I used I used to go, but they always would feed these damn birds. And so I would clean my car and I would stop every morning to get water, a little Red Bull or something, energy, right? And then, right, sure. um, um, or whatever. But anyway, yes, and these damn birds would be on top of this building and every time you'd walk in you get shit on your head shit on your car and I told the women I'm like what is happening with all these it was like from the birds the movie the birds it was that many and she's like what do you want us to do I'm like quit feeding the fucking birds because they're on my nerves so that's honestly they called pest control or I called pest control that's my story back to mm. the yard bird <laughs> Yeah, back, back to the Yardbirds. So this song is, to be honest, I had never heard of this song before, but I wanted to talk about something that was kind of unheard of from the Yardbirds because they are so famous. Um, believe it or not, Greg, they're super famous, been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. But this song, For Your Love, you'll recognize it when you hear it, um, has a really interesting sound to it. So let's hear a clip from that. For your love. They actually had a music video. It came out like in the late 1960s, things like 1969. It, it to me, it looked like um, like creative art class or something where they took a piano or I don't even think it was a piano. It was like a, a harpsichord or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or an Thank organ, you. maybe. Yeah, a harpsichord, something like that. Anyway, they took it out into a field and they all were dressed up like these medieval characters, kind of like medieval fair. Like there was some jousting and something going wow. on. But, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't actual jousting, but it looked like they were going to pull out a turkey leg and like have a nibble on something. But mm. they're all dressed like in this medieval like armor and they're playing the drums like in their medieval garb. But it was a really interesting video because videos weren't really a thing back then. Sounds but very um, psychedelic to me. It kind of, kind of was psychedelic and it's black and white. This particular song, For Your Love, had such a distinct 1960s sound. Like you kind of hear the same theme through a lot of the big hits in the 1960s from like the who and the beatles and yardbirds and for those of you guys who don't know but probably do know that eric clapton mm. was uh, part of yardbirds and he is in the rock and roll hall of fame for yardbirds as himself as eric clapton and also for the band cream so wow. it's kind of a big deal yeah i know you don't very care. accomplished well we're going to talk about bonnie tyler of course this and no woman, Steven Tyler. No, I don't believe. But I almost called her uh, Bonnie Ray. They had a similar <laughs> hairstyle. 
Bonnie Tyler was one of those singers that you knew when you turned on the radio who you were listening to. Her voice is so raspy. It sounds like my voice right now. This is a Welsh singer. Don't even know where Welsh is, but it's Welsherland. Where would Welsh be? Oh, oh my. Well, stop. It's part of Great Britain. Okay. Well, she's from that area. And this is a little tribute to the Queen. I know. We love you, Queen Elizabeth. Anyways, uh, before we get into it, let's just play it. It's memorable. You'll know it. It's a heartache by Bonnie Tyler. It's a heartache. Nothing but a heartache. Hits you when it's too late. Hits you when you're down. It's a fool's game. I saw a video, now this is crazy, and I would never do this because I don't do cruise ships. She was singing Total Eclipse of the Heart as soon as the eclipse happened. What a poetic moment. So poetic, and it was like the Titanic that just slowly sank. (laughs) I just can't even imagine that that's where your life goes. Oh my God. You were doing cruise ship. I get seasick anyways, so, and I'm sure if I heard Bonnie Tyler and whatever <laughs> i would on a cruise ship and have to wear those glasses i would it would be the, the end of me go i couldn't do it i'd Someone need one of those patches mm-hmm. back to her song don't you love it though i mean i yeah, sing I it every time it comes on i know every word and uh she was such a pioneer in that and so i think she's still traveling and performing and casinos and i don't think there's like around. a ton of like famous welsh singers out there that you know you hear about in the mainstream so no here's to Bonnie Tyler and making Welsh music famous absolutely that a girl so 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 I am very very excited to share with you guys the interview um, that I just got to do with a very close personal friend Christian Hoff as I mentioned earlier he is a Tony Award winner um, he's in the original cast of Jersey Boys he's currently touring with an incredible group of uh, four guys uh, called the Midtown Men and they were the four original guys from Jersey Boys I love a Midtown so Man I don't, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you like a Midtown Man Midtown Downtown Man, man Uptown Man All Sidetown Man All Men's just a town just uh-huh. a, a man in a town well let's anyway. hear the interview taylor yeah, i don't want to give it away it's, it's a really great interview so let's listen to christian hoff all right everybody i have a very exciting guest today that i want to share with you i want to welcome everyone to fashion rocks podcast the multi-talented tony award-winning actor singer musician the incredible fabulous incomparable christian hoff welcome christian it is so good to be here And so good to be part of the podcast, Fashion Rocks. Yes, we're super, super excited to have you here. And I'm just really grateful for your time. I know you're busy and touring and all that exciting stuff. So we just want to get to know you and want to share with our audience all about what you're doing, your past, your present, your future, all you have going on. So um, as our audience is going to find out about you, um, you are a theater guy. And I would love for you to speak with our audience about how you got started in theater. Well, the theater sort of came into the picture naturally <laughs> by way of uh, my personality, I think. Um, I was, I, I love doing characters. I love singing and we, music was always a part of my household. And so it just 
sort of came naturally like, well, that's where he's going to need to go. <laughs> and, uh, but it was really baseball or theater one summer, right? It, really? it, it you know, life is, it, it always, there's always a crossroads or there's always a choice to make. And, um, at any given time, right? And that one was, well, that's what I wanted to do. And the minute I stepped on stage in the spotlight, found that I could express and be, you know, somebody that that was inside, right? But not, uh, but I was shy on the outside. But we all need to find those outlets. So I started doing theater. And then, um, you know, within a year, I was doing television. And then within another year, I was doing movies. I was in voiceovers. I, I was the original voice of Richie Rich. So I'm at no Hanna-Barbera. Uh huh. In Hanna Barbera in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, working with Frank Welker, you know, and he would go into you know, Scooby Doo and Astro and Dynamut oh and <laughs> and Tigger right next. To, you know, it's just amazing to to have these guys, um, you know, do what they do back in the day. Because right now everybody's so independent, you don't go to a studio. But I went to a studio to do that, and, you know, to go to Hanna Barbera and and yeah. do that as a young kid. And then I started doing you know, professional theater and kept at it all my life while I was surfing and while I was skateboarding and while I was being a regular kid and just had this dual life. Then I went to Broadway first, the early 90s with a show called The Who's Tommy. And um, then again, 10 years later with Jersey Boys. And so I just kind of, I kept circling, circling, circling. And um, that's where I am now and still uh, performing and, and traveling the world in a band and in, enjoying um, life as an artist, but also as a father and, uh, you know, sort of an everyman as well. How have you seen the industry change in your career? You know, like you're saying, like you used to actually go into a studio to now it's like, oh, I can do this from my home, from my phone or whatever. Like how, how have you seen the industry change over the, your well, career? Accessibility. There's so much information and so much data that you almost have to be your own editor and own advocate or dramaturge, if you will. And um, because there's so much information, but what is different now is that when I was doing Tommy, for instance, and we were, we spent two weeks in what we would call a pre-production dramaturge. This is the entire company, the entire, all the production all the, the whole design team, Pete Townsend, we are working for two weeks straight learning about culture, right? From fashion to politics to the music industry. So even getting back to the rock and, and fashion, we, would, we spent days looking at Britain's you know, influence leading into the 60s, right? That's sort yeah, of yeah. the teddy boys uh, of the 50s, you know, where you had this sort of trend of fashion that took over teen boys in England and where they're adapting these, this sort of Edwardian romanticism, right? This mm-hmm. very sort of pre sort of, you know, what we would call new romantic later on in the eighties, but in the fifties, these, these were tailored velvet blazers and, and, you know, just skinny ties and, and yeah. tra- drain pipe trousers, right? And le- chunky leather shoes, stuff that was very, very out. And, and that was something that we learned about and that influenced the design of how we, what we dressed like. And so we were wearing mod clothes, you know, we were, we had beat, beatnik influences. We had what they call teddy boys, which are those long coats influenced the look and feel. And then that influenced the way we moved in our costumes. And so we choreographed wearing these coats and wearing these shoes and 
being rebellious, if you will, in a fashion sense. And I think that's something that fashion has always embraced is that it's fashionable only because it's going to be unfashionable next. Or it was unfashionable, therefore we can repurpose it. So there's something very cyclical about it that gives us the opportunity to revisit trends and also um, sort of more boisterous moves that people make in fashion or remake and you might even call them mistakes but there really there are no mistakes in rock and roll or in fashion it'll just move on it'll just be adapted and it'll you'll outgrow it or revisit it later and that's we see that in music so much and fashion i think I don't I don't think about enough is that how the clothes influence the movement when you're on stage, you know, yeah. like it, you kind of embody the character depending on well, what you're at, wearing. Look at Elvis and James Dean, for instance, right? You know, where, where you could, where you could be torn looking like Elvis or, or, or James Dean, you know, whether it's jeans and a t-shirt and with the collar flipped and it becomes iconic. Iconic, right? And you roll yeah. the cuff and it becomes, so that actually Im- becomes an attitude, right? And it, be- it becomes its own thing. Same thing with, El- with Elvis and to use clothes as he did, where he was making choices, especially coming out of the army in the 50s. I mean, where we saw big shoulder pads, we, mm-hmm. we, we saw loose fitting clothes where, where when he would make, where he would do his moves, that it would be accentuated by the way the, the, the pant, um, moves and and it it goes on and on. We'll see Rihanna and in the Super Bowl, right uh, at ah. halftime, and and you know that what she's wearing is going to be worked into how she's moving. Right, 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 right. Yeah. totally. You think about Elvis, like you know, in 1950s when he was coming out, he wore those wide legs wide-legged pants and when his hips would move those pants would move with it and his audience would just go insane you know and you know that was the young Elvis and the older Elvis with his sequin jumpsuits and rhinestones and you know that whole person he would throw that he would throw that belly around you know and he would would. bedazzle that sucker (laughs) he's like there's nothing that a sequin can't fix there's nothing that a rhinestone can't cover up Oh, oh man. So, so Christian, tell me, like, what would you say was your big break in the industry? Like, what was like, what was that moment? Like, wow. I mean, I, there, it's, it's a series of breaks, right? It's a series of releases. And I think that's kind of how it goes. And, and it's given me the opportunity to go from a child actor, you know, running with, you know, River Phoenix and, and to bridge that gap and to be a young adult and, 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 and playing, uh, different roles. I've always enjoyed playing more difficult characters, right? In difficult circumstances, just because of my sort of dramatic intensity, it allowed me to sort of explore more because I grew up as uh, as a theater actor, right? Which is different than just being uh, a face and a look. Sure. Um, right. So, but my first break, I think, was pro- the biggest thing, you know, where I made, you know, Teen Beat or something like that or, or you know, made the the TV guide <laughs> or parade magazine uh, oh, yeah. was when I, when I portray, I was the first actor to portray um, a character um, that had, um, that was HIV positive or who had AIDS at the time. Um, and my character was a true story. It's a, it, I was, I played a guy who um, contracted uh, AIDS through a uh, blood transfusion 
and then the stigma and the difficulty of that in in the eighties um, when this was happening it was it was mainstream but it was still very sort of taboo and and sure. no one just really opened up their their minds it's like what would that be like at our school what right. would like what, how would the jocks think about that you know what would the you know what what do we how are we dealing with it in in context of a as a young person right mm-hmm. and it was and the it social ramifications of that at that time especially it was um, a big deal and so i'm yeah. doing the press you know and so florence henderson played my mom um you know the iconic you know brady bunch you know the quintessential mom she was my mom and she's wonderful by the way she was god bless her and ronnie cox um it was an actor um his first break was he, he, I think he was in his forties. It was deliverance, right? He played, he, he was hmm. in that movie. You know, anyway, he's done some incredible work since then. Everyone would know who he is, but he was my dad, but we sort of took on this, um, uh, this topic. And then as we were promoting and releasing this, it was very interesting. The amount of attention we got because of the subject matter. And uh, we really saw both sides of, of the, uh, the equation, how people would react just by how the press responded. I mean, it was very, it was very true to form, but that was something that was big in the eighties. And then of course, 10 years later, I think my next big break, apart from doing movies like Star Trek and Encino man and being on, you know, every TV show from little house on the prairie to Quincy to ER to, uh, you know, NYPD blue and SU, you know, yeah, like my resume is so big, I can't remember everything that I've done. <laughs> yeah, well, well, when you've been an actor for you know, <clears throat> how many decades? A minute, you know, just a minute a, or two. Yeah, four or five decades. So it goes back. But then when I was on Broadway with the Who's Tommy, that was the next cool thing. When I was hanging out with Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, and we're looking at this, um, re- reviving this piece with Des McEnough on Broadway, it was it was sort of the it was before Rent. You know, this was sort of. Mm-hmm old broad like we had we didn't have new broadway and what tommy brought in was a concert rig in the in the theater that hadn't been done before right um a, and bringing in fashion bringing in projects projections bringing in a big look and feel with automation and robotics on stage and pyrotechnics and all of that that was the first time it had been done and I remember when we were getting ready to open and we were in previews and Tommy Hilfiger came and took the cast out and Pete and we went to dinner and, and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. We were being wined and dined uh, much like we, I was again in, when I did Jersey boys, but this was early on and we were very groundbreaking. And so we were hitting all the spots. And one thing that's, that was new then that is normal now where you had somebody, a designer like Hilfiger on the, on the rise at the time, very successful, but just getting ready to, to really pop. He wanted to co-op with Tommy. I mean, it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Um, and so he wined and dined us. And I remember we were privy to that. That was something that was different then, right? When we were actually at a party or at a, at a meeting with Pete Townsend and Tommy Hilfiger, it, it was all new. <laughs> so I overheard and was part of the conversation <laughs> in my booth um, where, where he was pitching, where Tommy was, or Tommy Hilfiger was pitching Pete. And um, 
they ended up working together on a tour, Psycho Derelict tour, which came um, a couple years later. And he was a title sponsor of that tour. But it, um, Pete Townsend being a great publisher and a great businessman, um, just, you know, he, they had, you know, he put his arm around Tommy and he's, and I'll never forget this. He said, and he's had his big grin and he said, he said, save it for the morning, darling. First of all, I just want to say thank you, Christian. Thank you for taking the time from your super busy schedule. I don't say that lightly because you do have a packed schedule. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this for me. You're amazing. He sounds so nice. And what, he's He's a neighbor of yours or something? No, he's just a really close friend. My husband and him are really good friends and we're close friends with his wife and children. Incredible family. Um, Christian travels a ton and he's always touring, but just to make time for us is wonderful. He's just so sweet. Yeah, he's just an awesome guy. Super acclaimed, um, you know, everything from winning a Tony. Um, He's been in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. He's been on uh, NBC's Law and Order SBU. He was on All My Children. Like he, his list of credits are pretty astounding for all that he's done in his career. Um, and he's still grounded to talk to us, which is great. Well, he's a friend of oh, yours. So, yeah. You know, I mean, like, he's throwing a dog when, a bone here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, when we met, I had no idea who he was because he is so normal and down to earth. His voice is so powerful and his energy on stage is just incredible. His wife actually has an incredible voice too. And she was an actress, which is pretty cool. Mm. A super neat family. Just his talent is pretty unreal. And he's still performing and traveling after all these years. People have to check him out and go see him on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody go check out Midtown Men. It's traveling across the nation, everybody. It's okay. You know I will. You know I will. I know you will to go see a Midtown man. Absolutely. Let me talk about one of my favorite. Yeah, you talk about this. This is all I know. I love her. I have had so many encounters with this girl. I cannot even handle it. But I want to talk about Courtney Love and Hole, and the song is going to be Celebrity Skin. So let's just listen to that first. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study in demonology. So that you could make it. Yeah, now you're really made it. So glad you could make it now. All right, Taylor. I'm sure you're like, I can't, but I'm telling you, I have seen her so many places. I have been to fundraisers where she has literally been in the bathroom on the floor and people have been washed. Paris Hilton came in literally and was washing her hands over her body as she's laying there. I go back to the table. This is an Amphar event in LA. And I went back to the table and they had placed us with Marsha Brady. I don't even know what her real name is. She was the celebrity. Maureen McCormick. Well, I talked to Maureen and I was like, I am worried about Courtney Love. What should I do? She's like, I don't know. And I was like, so I have to go (laughs) back over there because I feel like we're bonded. Right. So I have to go back over there and I see Courtney. She is emerging from the bathroom. (laughs) She is not stable, but she is coming out. And I'm like, oh, Courtney, you look so good. And then she didn't respond. And then she went back to the ground and she crawled back in the bathroom. And that is only one of my many stories with Courtney Love. But to her music credit, I love this song. It's a rock out song. She is, I mean, her, as far as style, 
She was that punk girl. She started in 89 with Hole. And do you remember when she really? had that? Yeah. Remember when she had wow. that comeback from like, oh, I'm grungy and a little dirty. And then she had some issues. And then she came back for the Oscars. Yeah. And she was nominated for an Oscar. Yes, believe it or not. And she Wait, wore that what? white Versace dress with the tiara. She went through a, a tiara phase, remember? Yeah, I remember the tiara phase. Her music is undeniably her. She owns yeah. it. She sticks by her story. She loves her daughter, which I love because she always talks about Frances Bean, which I have to love that about a mom. You know, I mean, you never talk about your children with me. It's because but, I'm afraid to. Well, you have so many. You have a little tribe going. I and do. it scares me, frankly. So that's why I can't talk about it because I'm afraid you'll like break out in hives or something. And then we can't do stuff together anymore. So right. I have to save them all my to little mother. mommy let tidbits. Them, yeah. Let your mom take care of those kids. For everyone else. All right, everybody. It's been another fun week and Taylor's <laughs> acting silly again. So I know it's time to wrap up, but we're going to leave you with, I, it's a new group to me and it's called Main Skin, Mon Skin. because you're old. And they actually covered one of the Four Seasons song, Begging, and it's totally different interpretation. Begging. Begging. And I'm yeah. begging everybody to come back next week. So have a good one. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. Toodles.